Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Before we dive into today's topic, I just want to take a moment to update you on Bill C-21. If you've been with us for a while or you spend any amount of time looking up Airsoft on YouTube, you will likely have heard about this bill. But essentially, Bill C-21 is a proposed set of changes to the, uh, the Canadian Criminal Code. And amongst other things, it would make Airsoft guns prohibited devices. So you could carry on owning the ones you have, but buying, selling, or otherwise acquiring them would become illegal. Additionally, it might cause issues for transporting them and even potentially using them on others as we all do during a game, so we're not really sure, but obviously this bill is not something that we as airsofters are in favor of, and there's been a um, very significant, let's call it, mobilization of volunteers to lobby the federal government to amend the proposed bill to exclude airsoft in a variety of different ways, which I'm not going to really get into. But so far, our position has been well-received amongst opposition parties in Canada. Um, you know, if the aim of the bill is to keep communities safer, then the idea of banning toy guns appears a little ridiculous. In any event, the Canadian House of Commons, which is our parliamentary body, has adjourned for the summer and will only resume work after Labor Day, which gives us a few months of reprieve from the stress of thinking about all of this stuff. It means that we're good for this airsoft season anyway. Yeah. <laughs> However, once the House resumes its business in the fall, it will continue work on attempting to pass this and, of course, other pieces of legislation. However, there seems to be a very good chance that our government will trigger an election in the fall. So in Canada, unlike, for example, in the United States, where, president, where presidential elections happen on the same date every four years, in Canada, uh, elections can be called at any point in the year for a variety of reasons, which, again, I'm not going to get into. But when this happens... Parliament is dissolved, and any bills they were working on are scrapped. So, if an election is called in the fall, and Bill C-21 has been passed by then, then Bill C-21 will die on the paper and will have to be reintroduced should the government want to try and pass it again. The long and short of this for us is that Airsoft seems to have a stay of execution, let's call it, for the time being. But we need to continue to work very hard to lobby our government to give Airsoft a special status in the criminal code to make sure that this can't happen again. We don't know if we'll be successful, but we remain hopeful. Um, so with that said, let's carry on with the show. So today, Pat and I wanted to talk a bit about an experience that he and I have recently had with Airsoft teching. So obviously, we've talked about teching in the past a lot. But what we wanted to talk about in particular is sort of the steps and the process that led to the situation that we had, so what we needed to resolve, what we did about it, and what the ultimate lessons are for us. So let's give a bit of context. I was, I've been using my airsoft gun all season so far, and it hasn't been quite as consistent as I really wanted to. I found that setting the hop up was, eh, you know, not great. It might, it might unwind itself a bit sometimes, and that was just not really where I wanted to be. My shots, shots to shot consistency was not excellent. There's some air seal issues there, I think, with the hop up that I, hop up unit, I should say, that I was using perhaps. And I also had some feeding issues with certain mags, and I was like, okay, you know what? I've heard a lot about the Max CNC hop-up. It's a hop-up that Chaz on our Discord has praised a lot. 
and looking at it online has excellent reviews and it's you know relatively expensive and as much as you know you don't have to spend money to get a good part in airsoft if something is expensive you tend to think that it's probably going to be better and uh also realistically that it's going to be better than you know the stock unit at the very least right and i gotta say um the max hop-up unit when we got it uh the build quality on it is fantastic um, yeah, I mean, it's an $80 Canadian part, right? It's 80 Canadian dollars. So you would expect that to be a good, nice, rock-solid kind of part, right, for that kind of money. Absolutely. But, you know, we we live in a world where, you know, like Best Buy will sell you a, a HDMI cable that's gold-plated for $60 that is exactly the same as the one Amazon will sell you for 10 Yeah. So sure. I just wanted to get it out there that, like, you know, we're going to be talking about really the complications issues we had with installing this, but I don't think the parts poorly manufactured. I don't think it's at fault as such. Definitely. So, uh, and like Pat hinted at, we had problems with the install and want to talk a little bit about sort of why that came to happen. So I get this max hop up. I'm very excited to put it in my gun, right? I'm thinking, okay, well, this is going to fix uh, at least some of the consistency issues because it will be it provide a better hop mechanism on my r-hop barrel number one and i know that the r-hop barrel itself is fine uh, it's a good quality barrel it's been installed with pat who is competent uh, at the very least let's call it most days anyway <laughs> and that means that you know it should perform adequately and i know that the performance has been okay i've been using it for like you know a year and some but i just want to to push it even a bit further so we get it i'm very excited to get into the gun uh, like Pat mentioned, like the build quality is excellent. So there's an there's a manual with it that is extremely thorough. All the parts are there. They're very well presented, and the thing is extremely well built, right? No question. So to give you a sense of uh, what it is, as opposed to like a regular hop up that has sort of the dials on the side, this is more like a, a rotary hop up. So it's got the dials perpendicular to your angle of fire, and the advantage there is that. Uh, it is less likely to unwind itself as a result of the the action of your gun, right? Of your airsoft gun shooting, um, you know, you you're minimizing that. So in in essence, it is a more precise hop up mechanism, and it has a little wheel with numbers on it, so you know exactly where your hop up is set, and you can put it exactly back where you need to if anything does happen. And um, I want to know, like, I've used cheaper, lower quality versions of this equipment before. Like, I've seen badly made ones uh so i uh, i've spent a lot of time being kind of dubious about this kind of hop-up because of that um you know i know they're standard for some gearbox types but real ones are not necessarily great in m4s or my experience with them has been bad i should say because mm -hmm. i can't say they're all terrible this one seems great yeah and it also has a bunch of extra features or it can so i have i the one that i bought is the the max me pro so it the pro can have an led to illuminate your bbs if you're using a tracer unit mine doesn't but it has a little latch that when you push the mag into the mag well it pushes the latch up and it allows the bbs to feed but when you remove the mag the latch comes down and it prevents the bbs from falling out so it retains the bbs in the hop-up unit so you don't lose bbs when you're changing mags or, or whatever which you know is is a feature right they do make a version called the sport which doesn't include that it does have sort of a slight uh, issue of like when you remove the mag, there can be rounds left in the gun, which isn't normally a thing with airsoft. But really, we should all be treating these things as though they have rounds in them all of the time anyway. So totally, you know, it's 
as long as you're being sensible, it's not an issue. And we found as well, like when we were testing it, when there's no mag in there and there's no BBs pushing up, uh, past that that one round that gets left in the chamber, there's no way for it to keep feeding those four rounds, right? Because there's no vertical pressure. So Yeah, there's no pressure pushing it up. So it's, it's not a huge safety issue, but it's definitely something to keep in mind, right? For Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to throw it out there. Yeah. So I'm going to mention it to allow you to learn from my stupidity and not have that issue. So this is great. So I go over to Pat's house. We're like, all right, we're going to get this put in the gun. Uh, I come over, start disassembling my gun, which I've done a lot. So no problems. Um, and so we start we start going at it, right? We take it apart, you know, read the instructions, figuring out, you know, uh, what are the settings that we need to put it for, for our hop, etc. cetera. Uh, and we put it together and we put it in the gun and everything is fine right there's there's no issue it goes in um it fits perfectly fine in my gnp body like uh, in terms of the fitment of the hop up it's something that in the past there i've have issues with if the, uh, the the sides of the hop up are a little thicker it might not fit correctly etc but nope slides right in and i'm like great put the gun back together and when i do that i'm like all right let's get tested i put the mag in and the mag will not latch into the mech box so I'm actually going to rewind us a second here because I want to note our first mistake when we were working on this. Um, our first mistake was, yeah, man, it's Tuesday night. We can get together for an hour, drop in this hop-up unit we've never seen before of a make we've never used before. It'll just go in instantly, no problems, whatever. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, and my currently I'm, I'm, a teacher so i'm off for the summer uh and a time of recording and my uh you know my life is relatively chill um i'm gonna say we shouldn't have done it on a tuesday night but like certainly uh i ultimately think that our expectations were a little foolish and i kind of want to throw that out here just in the sense of you know if you're dealing with putting a new thing you've never worked with before and it's an a complicated part and this is definitely more complicated than like i have broken out the hop-up unit and it is a bog standard completely normal one um assuming that it's just going to be like, oh yeah, you know, 15 minutes work is probably unwise. And I think I should have known better. <laughs> but I think you raise a fair point. Uh, you know, with the mindset that you approach what you're about to do says a lot about um, also your tolerance for things going awry, right? So in our mind, it's like, this is going to take an hour tops. Like we're going to figure this out in half an hour and then we're going to spend a half an hour chilling and I'll be, you know, on the way back home with food for, for supper or whatever, right? And... The reality is that that is not at all what occurred. And like Pat just said, we, sh well, maybe not me um, in this particular respect, uh, but definitely him, someone who's worked and spent a lot of time working on airsoft guns, should have known better and you should have told me better. But neither of us thought about it. So, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not pointing any fingers. Uh, not that you could see them because it's an audio recording, but I'm not pointing <laughs> any fingers. It's That's not really the intent, but it's to say it's something to consider. So, you know, that's a fair point, Pat. And as you'll see, as I describe some of the problems that we have, I don't think either of us could have foreseen them, right? And that's not because, um, you know, we were, it was unfamiliar parts to us, although there is a, there, that is a portion of it. It's just also that they were very, it's, it was a unique sort of set of circumstances, I think, for us, right? And we had, this part had come to us highly recommended by someone um, and it's generally viewed as being very, very good. Yeah. And so I don't think we had like a ton of reasons initially to be like, oh yeah, this is going to be a pain in the ass. Exactly. So let's come back to to the first problem. So I put a mag in there and the mag will absolutely not, will not seat in the gun. And so like the, the mag catch will not latch in place. We're like, okay, 
what's going on? Like, this doesn't make sense. It was working fine. Like, it would latch just fine. So, obviously, we know the only thing that's changed is the hop-up, right? So, we, uh, we're we sort of puzzling our, you know, we're sort of scratching our heads going like, okay, what what's going on here? What has occurred? <laughs> so, what's the first thing that you, what's the first thing that you think of when you sort of run dry on ideas, like, in- immediately? The best thing to do, obviously, is Google, Right? Because chances are we are not the first people using a max hop-up and we're probably not the first people using a max hop-up with the kinds of parts we have in our gun. Someone has had an issue like this in the past. And, you know, we didn't do the, you know, the pre-ordering, like, you know, max hop-up known issues because, again, they came highly recommended. Yeah. And the, the reviews generally that are around, that have been around for a while, like, no, this is outstanding if you want to spend $80 on hop-up unit. And to be fair... It's a hop-up, right? In my mind, it's like, it's a hop-up. How complicated can it really be? Yeah, and that's an entirely reasonable place to start, right? <laughs> yeah. So we go to Google and we look it up and lo and behold, our first result is the Max website where in their FAQ, they have this exact problem listed. Mags will not latch in the gun. So we're like, okay, well. They, what- they saw this coming and they know their issues. It's great. So what is it that they say? Well, they're like, if you're using a reinforced gearbox, you will need to shave off some of the reinforcement because it prevents the latch from opening all the way. And we're like, what? Look at the gearbox. Look at the fitment. We're like, oh, yeah, so it does. So it has a it has an extra like millimeter of aluminum that is preventing that BB holding latch, uh, which in retrospect turned out to be way more trouble than it was worth. Um, But it prevented it from opening all the way. And in doing so, it prevented the mag from actually seating correctly and therefore to to latch in position. So we're like, okay, well, it says on the thing that we got to shave down, you know, um, part of the aluminum gearbox. So that's what we're going to do in the reinforcement. Um, And we're like, maybe we can just take off the lever. Maybe we don't need it after all. But of course, the part doesn't work without it. So you... (laughs) You need to have it in there. It, it turns out that the piece that's on the lever is also the piece that actions the switch on the mag that releases BBs from the mag. Yeah. So, uh, so if you don't want yeah, that, that lever, just get the sport. That's the, uh, if you stop, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to the podcast and you just stop listening, that's basically your takeaway. You can stop listening now. If you want to keep hear us keep going about this, you can, please feel free. Um, but so, yeah, so we're like, okay, well, we need to shave it down. So we start off with the files, but we, you know, quickly move to the Dremel because we realize that using, um, like a, a micrometer, we're like, okay, well, we need to, there's a lot of material to remove. Not like a lot, but more than we're going to get with a yeah. file. Um, I, I was initially like, oh, I can take this off of the file. And then I was like, oh, I need to take off a lot more material than I thought. And then I followed that up with, oh, wow, this is also significantly tougher material than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Cool. So... And of course, if you've ever dealt with uh, any sort of like construction work or like precision work like this, you know, um, or also if you're just, you know, use your common sense, it is much easier to remove material than it is to add it back on, which is to say that adding it back on once it's taken off is impossible. So what does this mean for us? Well, it means that we need to go slowly. We need to go step by step and remove a little bit. And is that enough? No. Okay, we need to remove a little bit more. Is that enough? Yep. No, we need to remove a little bit more. We're and trying we... to be as precise as possible in the amount of material we take off. Because if we take off too much, it's probably going to be a pain in the butt later. Yeah, for sure. So we're, you know, we're trying to be precise and remove. So there's a bit of trial and error until we get to a point where we're like, okay, yeah, um, this seems to this seems to work well. Um, the mags are fitting. They lock in position. Uh, and when we shoot at the cardboard box that we have set up, the cardboard trap that we have set up in the basement, BBs are coming out, they're going to the trap, perfect. 
So at this point, I'm like, great. I have we have a game on Saturday. Everything is good. I'm gonna I'm gonna set my hop up and on Saturday when I get out there, and there's no no further issues. So fast forward to yeah, so at this what? point, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, spoiler alert. But at this point, we've spent like three hours working on this and uh, two of those hours were more than I was mentally prepared to spend. But, you know, there's a game on Saturday, so I just got to get done, right? Um, so I'll go home. I'm like, all right, well, everything is working fine, whatever. And Saturday rolls slight, around. Slight pain in the butt, but hey, whatevs. Yeah, and in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's how airsoft teching with Pat goes. Like, we go, we shoot the shit a little bit. Uh, we get it done. It's a bit of a trial and error, but we get there eventually, and then you go home, whatever, no big deal, right? That's just how it goes. The rest of the week carries on. I think it was a Wednesday we got together. Uh, and then Saturday comes around. I prep my gear the night before. I test my gun. Everything is is cycling the way that it should. I don't test my I don't test fire my gun in my house because I don't have the facilities here to do that. Uh, but I, I dry fire it so I know that everything is working like from a gearbox standpoint. Pack on my gear, go to the game the next morning. And um, so Stefan's there. I'm like, well. I got my Max Hoppa, bud. Let's go see how it works. So we go up to this uh, area that they have set up um, and put a mag in and start firing. The hop-up is completely off and the BB just basically goes and just shoots up into the stratosphere. I'm like, oh, that's not supposed to do that. It's The hop-up is off. If anything, it should be dropping, yeah. right? It should be rolling out, you know, like and going 15 feet. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So then I take a couple more shots Um and it's still going up into the stratosphere. I turn the hop up. I'm like, maybe it's maybe the hop up is sort of put on backwards or something. So I I spin the wheel down, um, and then it, it hops it even f- more, which I didn't really think was possible. I back it off a bit, and it's marginally better, but it's still way over hopping. Like it's just not not really gameable. Uh, Stefan's like, well, you're shooting into the wind. Maybe that's it. So I change my angle, and again, it's doing the same stuff. I'm like, no, this is an issue with the hop up. There's just too Steph- much. Stefan's an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> there's just too much hop and so i'm like okay well this kind of sucks i'm like okay well this uh, so at this point i'm not feeling great about this and um turns out the game was canceled because not enough people showed up which i'm cool with but i'm like you know what i'm really gonna try and burn this in a little bit i'm gonna put you know like 40 or 50 rounds through it and see if that fixes this hop up issue so i start pulling the trigger pulling the trigger pulling the trigger and what starts happening is the gun starts skipping shots I'm like uh so like it fired two shots and then nothing would come out and then it fired two shots again and I would look into the uh, it the max hop up because it has a little window and I could see that there's a there's a gap so the next BB wasn't picked up I was like okay this sucks like this is a feeding issue like I've had in the past uh, but something is not working here so I'm like this sucks so now I've not only do I have a hop up issue with the, the over hopping. Uh, which I think, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm relatively sure Pat and I can address that. I'm not too concerned about that. But then we also have this other issue where uh, the gun is not cycling correctly. I'm like, okay, this is frustrating. So I had a conversation with Stefan about what, you know, likely causes were. And as we were having this conversation, probably 10 different root causes came up in this conversation, right? Oh, well, maybe there's a problem with your nozzle alignment. Maybe it's 
the hop-up is slightly out of position and it's dragging back and the nozzle is releasing a bit more slowly so it's not going back all the way and picking up the, the picking it up forward maybe the the nozzle is misaligned left to right so that's dragging and you need to realign your nozzle in the gearbox maybe there's an issue with the mags maybe the mags are not feeding as forcefully as they need to to pull the tappet plate uh, uh, to push against the tappet plate, right? To push against the nozzle and get your round seated or whatever. So all of these things come uh, come out and I'm they're just spinning in my head and I'm just getting at a point where I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do about this, but this is driving me crazy. Like, how is it that I have an $80 part and it's not working in my gun, right? Um, and I message Pat and I'm like, you know what? Gun is not working. We need to get together and try and fix it. Because in my mind, I'm also thinking about how this coming weekend, uh, we have a, a very big airsoft game occurring where we're going to have lots of people out. We're going to play for many, many hours and I need my gun to be working. Like that's not what I need to be worried about that day. Right. So I'm like, okay, this needs to get sorted. Plus, you know, it's sort of like, oh, we thought this was working and now it's not. And that's sort of bullshit. Um, and they're not supposed to be, or at least we don't think they're supposed to be this finicky. So it's kind of a like, huh, all right, well, off the top of my head, I'm not sure why they're not working, but let's get together and take it apart and bang our head off of it a little bit longer. Yeah. And I mean, luckily enough, as Pat mentioned earlier, he's a teacher, he's off for the summer. So when I said, hey, can you get together tomorrow, which works for my schedule because I'm still working, you know, Monday to Friday, nine to five kind of deal. He's like, yeah, sure, no problem. Let's get together. Let's get this sorted. Um, so perfect. So I'm like, okay, great. So I know Pat likes to sleep in. I'm going to go for, uh, get groceries with Suze, uh, in the morning. I'm going to go for a run. And by the time I'm done my run, Pat should be good to go and, uh, sufficiently degrumpified and be able to uh, focus on a bit of frustrating tech work. And there I approached it from the point of view of this is going to take us multiple hours to resolve. I'm mentally prepared to spend Surely not like six hours, but definitely three or four hours to, to get this sorted. Especially, you know, for Phil, who has I think, more limited patience for this finicky bullshit than I do. <laughs> um, is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, it's it's good to come into this and not be like, oh, well, this is going to take us 20 minutes to fix if it is, in fact, the kind of thing that's going to take you two hours. Mm -hmm. And, and I want to I want to just take a brief pause here to talk about that sort of patience that you're referring to. And I was listening to, I think, uh, well, several weeks ago, I must have been an old episode, but I was talking, listening to Jocko podcast, and he talks about frustration and how, how you avoid frustration. And one of the things that he does to avoid frustration is act, right? So if you're feeling in a position where you like, you don't know what to do, you just act, you go and you do something. The challenge with me versus Pat, and the reason that I get frustrated more, more quickly than he does, is that... Part of one, th one of the things that frustrates people is we want to act, but we don't know what to do. We don't know what the path is in front of us for a variety of different reasons, sometimes because it's not clear or sometimes because we don't have the experience and we don't know what to do or we don't have uh, knowledge to fall back on to say, I have seen this before. What I did in the past was this and I'm going to do that again. So Pat, being a gun tech who's worked on thousands of guns now, or if not, if, if not thousands and surely hundreds and hundreds of guns at this point, uh, and has dealt with all kinds of different problems, has a much wider breadth of experience to fall back on when stuff becomes frustrating. When you're, when you're hitting a roadblock, you're like, okay, well, I've tried this. Now I'm going to try this. Now I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this. I have a larger set of, hmm, this seems dumb options. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas for me, I have a very limited scope. Uh, so when I face a problem, I'm like, well, I've tried nothing and nothing is working, <laughs> right? Like that's it. Um, and so that's part of that frustration too. And so 
part of the way that I'm sort of internalizing and dealing with this is trying to think about what am I going to do in this situation? What is our path forward? And that's not always clear, but at least one problem at a time, right? We can figure out what we're going to do. So coming back to the story, Pat and I get together on Sunday and we take it apart and we're like, what's the issue? Well, our first most obvious thing is like, all right, you know what's happening here? That latch, we didn't file down quite enough. So it's still contacting the gearbox. And when it does that, it's pushing the hop up out of position, which is causing a whole misalignment of the system, which is causing the feeding issue. So we need to make sure that we file that down far enough that that plastic lever or anodized aluminum or whatever it was is not contacting the gearbox anymore. You can put a piece of paper underneath it. There is absolutely no friction. So that's what we did. And I say we, I mean, Pat, Pat broke out the Dremel, the rotary tool, uh, and, uh, went to town and got just enough taken off that we didn't take off any sort of excess material from the gearbox that we didn't need to. And just enough that when we held the latch completely open in position, you could still see a little bit of light right underneath the piece of analyzed aluminum. And we knew at that point that it's, it's not contacting the gearbox. So the alignment is perfect. So we have it. We've guaranteed that that is no longer the issue, right? And it is the sort of like trial and error scientific method, right? Develop hypothesis, test hypothesis. Yeah, Grind absolutely. chunk of metal off for hypothesis. And I think most importantly here, we stick to the most obvious root cause, right? What is the root cause? Well, we know that the only thing that has changed in the gun is the hop-up unit, right? So if there is a problem where uh, the, the gun is not picking up every round. It's skipping shots. It is more likely to be a result of the hop-up than it is uh, of, for example, the timing chip on the sector gear exploding inside the gearbox, right? Which I, we have had happen in the past. Um, but it's more likely to be the hop-up, this brand new part that we just put in there, than this random, completely, uh, you know, obscure um, potential root cause, right? So you deal and you treat the symptom that is the most obvious. So we we fix that um, and we put that in the gun. We're like, great, it's going to work perfect. And we start shooting at the, the cardboard trap and it still does the same thing. It's skipping shots. So now what? Uh, and genuinely, we were sort of at like, the hell? Yeah, and that was definitely, I think, frustrating for both of us, just in the sense that it's like, this should have fixed the issue, though. So at this point, we're back to like, well... We have that list of hypotheticals um, that Phil and Stefan generated, and I can generate a, a comparable one. But really, none of those seem immediately likely. Yeah. Um, so we go back to their website. Yeah. Just to check and see what else they have there, and they note that you know the nozzle needs to be sort of half retracted uh, in order for this to work in that sort of you know precocked position. Uh, and we're like, well, we had the gun set up to do that anyway, but we'll check and make sure it's still working. Yeah. And it is. All yep. Right. We we played with the precock settings as well. Like we increased the precock timing and all this kind of stuff. Uh, that didn't fix the issue. Um, we tried different mags, right? Also, no no difference whether we were using classic Stanag mags or the EPMB mags or same issue happening, right? Yep. So we're we're filtering down our, our list of options and it's like, all right, well, we have a regular hop up unit with a regular barrel. Um, just sort of sitting there. Let's toss it in and confirm that at least that works correctly before we crack open the gearbox because clearly something's up with the gearbox. Um, 
And weirdly, we put that in, and it works fine. Yeah. And we're like, okay. Well, if it works fine with a regular hop-up, then it's probably not a gearbox issue. We're sort of back to the, uh, what do we do with this hop-up unit? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, at this point, we start Googling again because... We have the sum of all human knowledge at our fingertips. We might as well ask it some questions. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we come back to the issue where um, a few websites tell us that fitment with GNP bodies can be a pain in the ass. And we're like, well, that's what we're working with. So before we sort of like get into any sort of problem solving from that, you know, I'm genuinely like, hey, Phil, like how, how pissed off are you with this thing? Like, are we at a point where you're considering throwing gun parts at walls? Because if we are, we should probably stop for the day. Mm-hmm. And... So I think just just before we move on, I think what's really interesting and also very frustrating and is a reality of uh, some airsoft teching is they they would say stuff like, oh, well, the max hop up in a GNP body requires some fitment, some tinkering with the fitment. They don't tell you what that tinkering is, though. You got to figure that out for yourself, which would have been super helpful. Like and, and the max uh, FAQ specifically told, told, told us, like, if you have a reinforced gearbox, you need to remove, you know, one millimeter of material from the reinforced section to make sure that the lever works, right? And that was if fantastic. That's ideal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or, you know, if you're using this hop-up, you need to use a 6.5 millimeter nub versus this 4.5 millimeter nub. You should be using a, a hard type maple leaf bucking type with this hop-up, which incidentally I also didn't have. Um, but in a lot of cases, people will tell you, this is the problem that I had, but this is not, I don't, I'm not going to tell people how I resolved it because again, this is trial and error. You're not necessarily sure. Like even Stefan mentioned, sometimes you take your gun apart because it's not working and all you do is reassemble it and it's working fine. And you don't know what the difference is. Like why, what exactly changed when you, when you put it, uh, put it apart, right? Put it back together, I should say. So at any point to come back to you, to come back to the point you just made, which is at this point, we're like, okay, well, we know that a regular hop-up works and we have a couple of extra regular hop-ups and we know that they work in my gun. We know that the max hop-up is not working the way that you do, and we know that there's a game coming up on Saturday, and I want a working gun for that, and I would like it to be my gun. Like, I know that I could borrow Pat's gun, or I could borrow somebody else's gun on the team, and they would happily lend it to me, but I don't want to use anybody else's gun. I want to use mine, right? That's the one that I'm familiar with the most, and I'm comfortable with, and if I break it, it's on me, like, you know, that kind of stuff. And and I'm the one who's within arm's reach of uh, increasingly frustrated Phil. So like, you know, some self-preservation applies, right? <laughs> yes. So all that being said, what is the solution that is in front of us? Well, if we have a hop-up that we know works and we have one that doesn't work and I need a working gun now, the only real solution is you take the hop-up that is working and you put it in your gun and then you're, you're, you're content with that and you have that has to be okay so that's what we did so i had i had a spare hop-up actually that was a little bit nicer than the previous hop-up i was using i had a few more o-rings on it uh, looked in a little bit better condition we had a upgraded hop-up unit that neither of us remembered we had um because you know we haven't taken apart phil's spare in five years because it just works when we need it to and it doesn't come off the wall that often yeah yeah I mean, I don't even know if it would would have worked back then. But anyways, point is, we're like, yeah, we have this, we have this spare. So we take that hop up unit, we take it apart, we put my uh, my our hop barrel in it, and then we're like, okay, well, this has a regular hop up nub, and I know that I have an R hop, so I need a flat one. So then we we quickly Google, okay, how are we gonna make a uh, an R hop nub using an eraser, which is very easy to do, it turns out, 
and we get that done. And that's the thing we know you can do before we are, are Googling it. We're aware that that's an option. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we put together, boom, done, right? As uh, as they say, Bob's your uncle. So everything gets put in place and reassemble the gun and it shoots fine. So now I know I have a working gun and the only thing I need to do is in a couple of days, uh, I need to go out and I need to arrange it um, and, you know, dial in my red dot a little bit and, and all that stuff and I'll be good to go for the weekend. And so one of the key things here is that this means that ultimately... Um, we've achieved our primary goal and like Phil can let this go and be salt free about it and not need to come back and work on it tomorrow or have to worry about it in the intervening period. Um, and like, I probably would have spent the rest of yesterday evening tinkering with it after he left. If it had been one of those things where like, no, this has to get done and my friend's going to be super stressed out and pissed off about it until it gets fixed, but he has to go live his life and I have free time. Um, you know, and it is shitty in that, you know, we have this $80 hop-up that is still on my workbench here. Um, and that, you know, we haven't given up fitting into his gun or maybe my gun because apparently it doesn't have issues with King Arms. So we might just try to see what happens. But I want to mention one of the things that we did notice as we were going through this and testing increasingly dubious ideas <laughs> to try to get this hop-up working was that um, because... The max hop up is a beautiful anodized orange aluminum. We could tell that it was grinding against his gearbox when the whole thing is fully locked up, like when the whole thing's mated together, because uh, there was wear on the edges where it sits aligned with the opening of the gearbox for the nozzle. And we're like, okay, so probably there is actually a fitment issue here. It's not seating properly. Uh, and with, you know, 24 hours to think about it, I'm like, well, we know that the, the Lonex gearbox that we have in Phil's gun is wider than a GNP gearbox standard would be. Uh, and we did that anyway, because we just like Lonex gearboxes. Uh, and in fairness, it was in a King Arms before it was in this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have not tested this. This is my current working, Pat's working hypothesis, uh, is that if... It's too thick for the GNP gearbox, or rather, if that gearbox is thicker than the GNP um, body wants it to be, even by a little bit, that could explain the fitment issue we were having. But I don't have a GNP gearbox to put his parts into to check that. Even if I did, I'd probably want it to be like built and hanging around so that I could just hot swap it and see. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, the fact that what we were doing to test it was putting wear on a part that shouldn't ever see wear was a big clue for me to go, okay, this is not going to work as is. Like, yeah. there's no point in continuing with this because it's just not going to go together, right? Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, we're at, right? Um, you know, there's a, there's a point where uh, you go, okay, nothing I can do with what I currently have is going to make this work. And stopping before you break out the power tools a second time is a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So I think ultimately, and the reason that we're, we're, we're talking about this is there's a couple of realities that if you're delving into airsoft teching, you absolutely need to be aware of. And we've talked about this before, but airsoft guns are toys, right? They are the, they're a really crappy air compressor stuffed as best as possible and as cheaply as possible into the form factor that we use them for to play airsoft. And consequently, 
it can be challenging when using such a wide range of potential upgrades to find the ones that actually will work in your gun. And just because an upgrade is the best in class, even if it is absolutely, unquestionably, the best of that particular uh, item that you can get, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will work in your setup, right? And that is as true of the max hop-up as it is of any other part that you can think of. Even even stuff like a like a, um, a BTC Spectre, which we swear by in terms of a MOSFET, there could be situations where it doesn't fit quite right in your gun and you need to modify to fit correctly for uh, different reasons. Maybe because the gearbox that you're using is not, you know, a King Arms gearbox, it's a, you know a JG gearbox, and for some reason the fitment is not quite right, and that's it, right? W whether it's a max hop-up or whether it's a, you know, um, a BTC like I just said, it could be anything. So you need to be prepared for the eventuality that the part that you just bought to put inside your airsoft gun may not actually work the first time around. It may, it may require some fiddling around. It may require some testing uh, and learning, most importantly, um, and at the end of the day, you may get to a point where it does not work at all. You do not know how to make this part work in your airsoft gun. And at that point, you either need to have someone on hand who can work through it with you, or you need to be prepared to, to walk away. And that is a reality of airsoft teching. At some point, the situation that you're in may eclipse your knowledge. And if that's the case, then you need to be prepared to walk away from it. And I'm comfortable saying, with all honesty that like, even for an experienced gun tech, that happens. Um, and it happens that there are situations where you're like, man, if I don't put this gun down, I'm gonna throw it at the wall, right? Um, but not every issue is resolvable also, right? We've had, um, I cannot remember the body, but it was in our spare bodies pile and we were messing around with it and trying to put, I, th I think it might've been a Spectre in. And I'm like, man, there's a post here that like is literally in the way and we're going, why is this here? <laughs> yeah. Full stop. I mean, if you're going to put a $200 vet in your gun, then probably I would recommend you just get an upgraded gearbox shell anyway, because they're not that expensive. But um, it can happen that you'll crack it open and be like, oh, well, I either need to put a hole in my $200 MOSFET or I need to remove this post. Yeah. And don't do not put a hole in your $200 MOSFET. That's, that's certainly part of the reality of, of teching. The other thing is that people will tell you, and rightfully so, it's not very hard to crack open a V2 gearbox or a V3 gearbox. And that's true, right? It is not very hard to do. It's not even that hard to take it apart and put it back together correctly. It's the kind of thing that, yeah, you know, once you get with a bit of practice, it becomes easier. But is it if you're the kind of person who has the tools, like the actual physical tools to take apart that gearbox, you will be able to take it apart and you will be able to put it back together without too much difficulty. The thing about it is, is that when you're trying to do anything with the gearbox, it then becomes extremely finicky, extremely fiddly. There's a lot of different things that go in there. And so you may find that you're you're looking at the gears going, why is there teeth missing on my gear? Oh, okay, well, I need to get a new set of gears, right? Oh, I'm putting in a different set of gears, but now, okay, I'm having this issue. I'm ha Anytime you modify it, you need to be prepared for the eventuality that whatever modification you put in there will require some tweaking and or may not actually work the way that you want it to. And that's not to say that there aren't some 
existing best uh, setups that you can mirror, right? If someone says, okay, well, I've got this Lonex body and I've got these Lonex parts, everything should work fine. And that's absolutely true. But you also need to be prepared for the eventuality that maybe it won't work exactly the way that it works for this other person because their setup is not identical to yours. If you are exactly the same setup, even if you're exactly the same setup, who knows? right? Your body may be manufactured in a different lot than the ones that this other person is talking about. And that causes issues that, you know, you're just not having. And one of the things that we really are paying for when we buy upgraded parts for Airsoft is we're paying for stuff that's made under tighter tolerances. Um, so if I tell you, okay, so this is how we build our guns, right? I rattle through the stuff that we've already covered a bunch, you know, okay, we've got this gearbox and these parts. Da, 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 da. Great. Uh, I can tell you that they'll work in pretty much every King Arms body I've put them in, without issues. Um, I'm I'm sitting here chewing over and mulling over, you know, should we be trying a different gearbox shell in Phil's? And I need to order a GNP gearbox shell for that project that I was mentioning anyway, so maybe I'll just try it. Uh, and we'll have, you know, another episode in four weeks where we come back and go, yeah, so uh, this worked, and the hell you know it may just be that the gearbox that we have inside phil's gun is not actually a great fit for gnp bodies and we didn't square that away until six weeks from now if that's the case then you know i'm you'll probably be able to hear me banging my head on the desk without the aid of our podcast um, but it's also the nature of airsoft teching that that'll happen and i'm not actually going to be that pissed it'll just be like oh okay another lesson learned yeah um because uh, to use another example right like we've we have uh, a daniel defense rail set that we like that a bunch of our guns have mounted on them it doesn't work on gnp it will not go on the gnp body i have in the other room literally will not could i tell you why no well i mean i can tell you why the threads are the different measurements but like why are gnp's threads different from king arms and gng's and tms i have no idea yeah i was super annoyed to find out but, like, there's nothing you can do about it um, other than go, huh, uh, and be mildly annoyed. And the reality is that the differences between uh, manufacturers of airsoft guns, um, just, like, what they consider to be acceptable tolerances and, like, some of the choices they make for whatever reasons, uh, mean that your best-in-class part may not necessarily go in what you have. That build list that I build my guns to that's currently like oh yeah pat you know if you sold your gun what would you build yeah like you've already got the list yeah. <laughs> um i know it fits into vfc guns pretty well we've we've done that and had no real issues with it um so i can say i'm comfortable with that but uh at this point i probably would tell you not to try putting in a gnp gun at least until i get another six weeks of time to figure some stuff out um, just so that if it does turn out that we're idiots, then or that I'm an idiot, really, I can't say we because this is entirely my doing. Um, you know, then like, okay, well, fair enough. Um, but yeah, and that's that's kind of the name of the game as well is just trial on an, and unfortunately error. Yeah. Um, and this so far, this is one of the good errors where I don't think we've broken anything, right? So um, some frustration, um, perhaps some elevated blood pressure. Uh, you know, I know, I know Phil definitely, uh, went and had a, had a burger and a beer yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, after we were done. And so did I, um, but there's, there's that feeling of like, oh, you know, at least we can, we can come back to this because I, I have worked on airsoft guns where it was like, no, you, you jacked this up. We got to wear 
parts and it's it's gonna cost you money i'm sorry right yeah um and this isn't one of those situations it's a situation where like maybe we do at some point need to order a new gearbox shell for phil um but at least that's not super expensive uh yeah. and as far as we can tell we're gonna go range it in later on some evening this week wednesday i think we said um but as far as we can currently tell it's working better than it was working before so we're getting closer to the performance metrics that Phil wants that this, frankly, is capable of and should be doing. Um, and, you know, we haven't broken anything irreparably, lit anything on fire, or screamed too much at the project. But it's, it's worth noting here that, like, all of those things are not that unusual as experiences, right? Like, you know, breaking stuff with yourself, yes, it happens. You're, especially if you're upgrading stuff. Um getting frustrated with teching is a part of teching. Um, probably the most important skill I've developed as an airsoft tech has nothing to do with the fact that like you can pull the trigger and I can tell you what's wrong with your gun and everything to do with the fact that I know that there's a point where I am going to just start wanting to throw the gun at the wall. And that despite the fact that I'm very much a, you know, no, I got to get it finished today. I got to get this done. I, I can't leave it person. At the end of the day, the, the key skill is not getting it fixed right now. It's going, okay, I'm going to ruin something if I don't take a day. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think this is a, a good segue into really sort of the, the final thing that I just want to, to leave everybody with as a bit of a recap. If you're getting into airsoft teching, you need to understand that things are not going to work exactly the way you want them to the first time around. Maybe not even the second time around, maybe not even the third time around. And so... This isn't to say that when things go wrong, you're, it's not going to be upsetting, but you need to be prepared for that to for stuff to go wrong so that if they don't, well, then you're pleasantly surprised. Um, but if they do, it's not coming as a shocker because you were expecting it, right? It may happen that you work on a gun and you break something and have to un un order another part. That is a real thing that can happen. And when you tech, you need to be aware that this could happen. And again, if it doesn't, right? then so much the better. And the more you tech as well, you will understand where you should and should not be doing certain things and that'll prevent you from, from, from breaking them. But the biggest thing here is you need to have that mindset going in. If you figure out that mindset halfway through, you're going to be a lot more frustrated than if you've done it the other way around, right? And, and these need to be, oh, damn it, moments. Not, you know, like throwing the gun at a wall, not having a temper tantrum, right? These are things that happen. I've had my guns break and be like, hmm, that should not have occurred. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, I've had guns I built for my teammates where they're like, hey, Pat, um, my gun is making the powdered gear, powdered gears noise. And I go, it shouldn't be. Uh, literally, literally the last gun I worked on before we were working on fills this time, uh, I had, I literally got a bad batch of pistons where the teeth just deformed under the force of being drawn back. They're steel teeth. They're, you know, tempered steel. It's just, yeah. These two that I ordered at the same time from the same supplier were both garbage. Oh, well. Was that frustrating as hell? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, did I have some choice words at the time with, uh, with the local air? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's not a thing to be like, oh, I'm clearly bad at this. Or, oh, I'm going to quit teching. I have a lot more guns under my belt that are up and running fine and work great than I do bum ones, you know, totally. like I, I'm, I am a competent airsoft tech, um, maybe even a really good one some days. 
And it's just, yeah, there's nothing you can do about that, right? And to, to your point earlier, it's important to know your walk away point too, right? You need to know when you've reached a sort of threshold of frustration that is going to ultimately do more harm to your process, to your work that you're trying to do, uh, than it will helping you resolve the situation. If you have a deadline or, or what have you, that adds a lot of stress to your situation. And if you're not able to resolve the situation that you're in, resolve the issue that you have within that that time frame, it's going to be problematic. So you can certainly you know keep this in your back pocket. If you do have a fallback option and you have it lined up and you know, well, if this doesn't work, then I've got this other thing I can do, that will help alleviate a lot of the stress. Because I can tell you right now, I'm not stressed out about my gun right now, even though I have this $80 quote-unquote waste of money, which is not doing anything for me. I'm not worried about that because what I really want is I want a gun that works. Whether it has the performance metrics that I want is is a goal that we're going to strive towards. But underneath that, I would rather have a gun that's not quite as good as what I wanted but works every time than no gun because that's that's completely that's counter counterintuitive, right? It's it goes it's not that's not the point. And and it's that sort of okay. So if the the hop up's not giving you quite the distance it should, or the MOA is not as good, well, that's annoying. In the sense of like, oh, it could be a little better, right? And I'm the sort of person, especially because I'm like, oh, I'm working on this. I want it to be an evil, evil thing. Um, at the end of the day, that's those are mo- trivial issues compared to if I pull the trigger twice, I get one BB. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Like if Phil misses shots at 200 feet, which is really what we're talking about in terms of like, oh, the hop-up's not working quite right. And, the, you know, it's not dialed in quite as good as we want it to be. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, it takes me four shots instead of three to hit a guy at, at 150 feet. Yes, we know we can get it there and we want to get it there. But like when we play this Saturday and we're doing games in like, you know, urban CQB for half the day, <laughs> right? What's going to matter to Phil is two trigger pulls, two BBs, two yeah, hits. Yeah, exactly. And it will deliver that, right? So we can we can mess around with it later. Exactly. So arm yourself with patience. Understand what your process is going to look like. Recognize that trial and error is going to be in your future as you as you're doing stuff. And if it's not, then great, you've been very lucky. But the reality is, you will have some testing and learning to do as you go. Remember to caffeinate your gun tech. <laughs> yes, and I think the final point, and we talked about this right at the start, is don't be in a rush because this is going to take a while. If your expectation is that you're going to go, you're going to make this modification, and it's going to work perfectly. Um, the, the reality is that's that is a, that's an unfair expectation. It's an expectation that I myself have had in the past. But as I'm coming to learn about it, especially when we look at what I would qualify as more higher end teching, when you're getting into really uh, finessing very specific performance that you're trying to get out of your gun, there will be a lot of trial and error and you just need to be prepared for that and understand that that's a reality of what you're trying to accomplish. And I think the, the old shooter's adage is a good piece to, to end on, right? Slow is smooth, smooth is quick. It applies to teching as much as it applies to shooting. And guys, thank you so much for listening. That's all we've got for you this week. Uh, Hopefully you found this educational and helpful. Like we always say, if you want to keep this conversation going and if you want to check out the Discord, especially, there's a lot of really good gun teching advice that goes in there. Uh, People will recommend a max hop up to you and I have no, I I don't have harbor no hate towards them. I still think they're a great piece of kit. Uh, Just not particularly fit for my gun at this particular point, but you can get lots of gun teching recommendations on our Discord. Uh, And of course, you know, make sure you uh, like and subscribe on any of the content that you like to keep us making more for you. And hey, 
if you're out there and you know the solution to this and can save me some headache, pop onto the Discord and tell me, please. Yeah, absolutely. Either way, though, thanks for tuning in. You guys have a great week, and we look forward to talking to you uh, in about seven days. Cheers, everyone.